It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm actually sitting outside the gymnastics studio waiting for my daughter to finish up. Um, just how, how it goes. All my parents out there know the deal. Uh, before we get into the episode today with Michelle Baxter, I want to give a shout out to Inside Tracker. So the best thing that you need to do for yourself oftentimes is to get a really, really good look at what's going on with your body. The hard part is we just don't know, right? Like a scale and how you feel can only tell you so much, if anything at all. But you go to Inside Tracker, they'll test your 43 different biomarkers. They'll also test your inner age. We all know our chronological age. For me, I'm 40.2 years old or so but they test your inner age, inner age. So you know exactly kind of how you compare to your chronological age. I had all my tests done a couple of weeks ago and I got some work to do, but it's better to know now than not to know. And that's what you can do. You can save 25%. You go to insidetracker.com forward slash rambling runner and or just use code rambling runner at checkout, save 25% on their ultimate package. I can't recommend this highly enough. I've been working with Inside Tracker now for a couple of years, and I'm so glad that I do. If you don't trust me, then trust like the litany of professional runners who do the same thing and do it for the same reason. Because ultimately, no matter what your goals are, you want to make sure that your body is up to the task. And for so many of us, that can mean different things. I need to, I need to improve my lipid panel. That's a big thing for me. For a lot of other folks, especially, say, women's runners, the vitamin D, the ferritin, the iron levels, those can be huge factors for runners of any stripe. But for women's runners, a lot of times the ferritin and the iron can be low. And that's something that if you're low in those levels, it's going to affect your energy level every single time and you need to stay on top of it. So go to InsideTracker.com forward slash Rambling Runner today to save 25% on all of your purchases. Now, let's get into it. My, let's get into my episode. Sorry. Let's get into my episode. There it is. Finally got out with Michelle Baxter. Hello, Michelle, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm I'm so honored to be on your show. When you reached out to me, I was very uh, blown away that you wanted me to have, have wanted me to be on your podcast. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Oh, I mean, shoot. I, it wasn't even a second guess on my part. I was really excited that you wanted to be a part of it. It's been so fun following your running journey and the things that you share. And there's so many things that we can talk about here in this show. Uh, we actually are doing like kind of something new here on the show. We actually have a video component. Uh, I don't know if we're going to use it. <laughs> Stand by on that, but we do have it. So it is nice to actually see my guests, which normally... It's basically just like a phone call through the computer. This is kind of different. So it is It is nice to see you. One thing that I'm noticing right away is the sunlight beaming through your windows. It's like, you know, so one thing that's different for us is that I'm in Rhode Island in the Eastern Time Zone. You are in Alaska. You're, you know, in a very different uh, area of the world than us. So I guess first things first. I love talking about this topic, especially this time of year. What's it been like for you from a running weather perspective? Still very much winter here. So we have tons of snow. I don't know, probably at least a couple of feet of snow outside. The roads are covered in snow and ice. And that, I mean, they've been that way since 
no beginning of November. And so it's, it'll be winter here for about another month. I'm hoping by end of March, beginning of April, I can start running on dry pavement again. But that's, that's the hardest thing about living in Alaska is running and training during the winter. And it's, for me, the darkness is challenging, but it's the cold. It's not being able to run on dry pavement and train in that way. So I have to use the treadmill a lot, which it's okay, but it's just, it's not the same, especially when you race on the roads, it's just not going to quite prepare you as well, in my opinion. So winters get to be long here. Uh, There is sun today, which is very nice. It's, we have a lot of gray, cloudy days. So the sun, if it's sunny, it's cold. If it's cloudy, it's usually a little bit warmer. So it's, yeah, it's very nice to see the sun today. Oh, okay. So the sun's kind of like a blessing and a curse in that way. Yes, very much so. Yes. All right. So you mentioned before that you're that the roads are kind of perpetually snowy, and anyone who follows you on Instagram is used to seeing you doing these runs on. It's always like snowy ground. It almost looks like you're a trail runner in a sense because there's always that covering. So that's just perpetually that way. So in that in that sense, what do you have to do? from a footwear perspective and also just from a pacing perspective to set yourself up for success um considering you know the you know that habitat i guess yeah so my footwear my shoes i will take um my just regular road running shoes and then i'll put 10 screws at the bottom of them uh sheet metal screws and i put those at the bottom drill them in and then those can grip on the on the snow really quite well. And then I also have shoes specifically for the ice, which is it's a company called Icebug, and they make they have carbide studs in the bottom of their shoe, and those grip really really well on the ice. And so it's not uncommon here, especially in Anchorage, where we get days and periods of time where it will everything will melt. It'll get up to forty degrees. Everything will melt, turn to an ice skating rink because it freezes again and then overnight. And it's just one big sheet of ice. And so for the longest time, I didn't have these ice bug shoes. And I would try to go run in just my regular road running shoes. And it was literally impossible. But now with these ice bugs, it makes such a difference to have them. So I kind of alternate between those two types of shoes for the snow um, I and I don't wear regular road running shoes in the winter at all. Um, sometimes you can get away with trail shoes with the, uh, additional traction. Those can help and do some, but having the screws or studs in the bottom of my shoes is and it's pretty much a necessity in the winter here because they the city doesn't do a great job of plowing and we don't use ice uh, we don't use salt to melt the ice, so which is why the roads are constantly covered in snow and ice. So they, it takes them a, f- a few days to get everything plowed out. And during those few days, cars are driving on the road, packing all the snow down, and then everything's either snow or ice. And like I said, because we, we don't use salt to melt the ice. So there's a reason that professional runners don't live and train here. <laughs> <laughs> well, be that as it may, you're doing great which is one of the reasons I'm so excited to chat with you. So considering the the snow's effect on your stride and, you know, slipping or not slipping and, and all of those things, how does it affect, say, like, um, say your easy paces? 
right? Like, so when you go out and you do an easy pace run, you know, you're, you're, you're putting in pretty high miles. You're running like roughly 60 miles a week or so. So you're out there a lot. You mentioned the treadmill. I know that you do workouts on there and I can't wait to talk to you about that as well. Um, are you aware of what your easy pace is or how do you judge how fast to go um, when you're running on the snow? So winter easy running is just, it's all effort-based. It has to be. Um, I easily, my pace easily go is 30 to 60 seconds per mile slower in the winter. And I just expect that. I mean, it's never, it's always kind of disappointing, but I just have to know it's based off effort. So I just keep my effort the same and just know that it's, it's not, it's not me losing fitness. It's the, it's the traction on the roads and just cold. My, I mean, I don't typically do well in really cold weather. So my muscles are just, they just feel tight and they don't feel like they ever truly warm up when it's so cold. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's like, what a curse that you're, you're running in, you're running in Anchorage. You're like, I don't, I don't do great in the cold. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> of all the places. I to told live. my dad I was going to move to Florida because I grew up in Minnesota. And so everyone says, Oh, it's not that much different, which I get what they're saying, but we don't, uh, in Minnesota, we have hot summers and winter is definitely not as long and not as dark. Uh, and uh, growing up, I always said I was going to move to Florida and then I kind of went the wrong way. <laughs> You're just going the other way. <laughs> You're just going to go through the North Pole and then back around. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. I was going to ask about, so, so from a Minnesota perspective, we've had people on the show, in fact, a couple a couple of weeks ago, Kara Hep was on the show and we talked, we had a very similar conversation about running um, in inclement weather and how she was managing it. She was talking about with the layers and how that factored in for workouts and things like that. And for the most part, she doesn't really use the treadmill, even on workouts. So it was, it was an interesting conversation. So coming from Minnesota, do you feel like the severity of the winter is similar? And just in terms of, you know, like, a, like the December, January, February, just like the harshness of that time period is similar? Um, so in Minnesota, the wind chills are by far worse. So the wind chill factor, it makes it way harder. I went to school in northern Minnesota, in Moorhead, Minnesota. That was by far the coldest I've ever run in, is in northern Minnesota. Um, and so that is a really challenging aspect in of itself. Here, we don't get the wind chills. Um, I would say that I think the coldest I've run in, well, this winter was like negative 13 with the wind chill. Um, but typically, that's about as cold as it will get. Whereas, I mean, Minnesota, it's not uncommon to be, I think they were negative 30 this this winter. So with the wind chill. So we don't have the wind chill here. Um, so for most people, it's the darkness and then the duration of winter here. So I, I still think it's way more difficult here mostly because of that dry pavement, not having dry pavement. Because in Minnesota, they'll get periods of time where it'll warm up, especially, you know, as climate change, um, global warming and climate change happens. It seems, you know, over the years, it's they'll have periods of time where it warms up and they'll get dry pavement. And here it's for six months, five, six months, it's it's winter. All right. So let's talk about your treadmill workouts, because this is something that a lot of people who listen to this show are doing in the winter, no matter where they are, right? Because even, as you mentioned, like, 
sometimes just the ice can be worse than the snow. And there's plenty of people who live in places where it will hit 40 degrees during the day and then will freeze at night. So maybe they're not getting as much snow, but then ice becomes an issue. And that's a real big safety hazard for a lot of folks, especially if they're running then early in the morning or late at night where the ice is going to play a factor. So for your treadmill workouts, what are some of the things that you feel like you've been able to do to make the most of that experience? Because so many people, me included, have a hard time on the treadmill really dialing in um, those harder efforts where we feel like we're we're much more able to do it on, um, you know, whether it's flat ground or do it outside. There's a reason it's called the treadmill. <laughs> it's, it's not, I, I mean, I tolerate it. I'll use it, but it's still not my favorite. And just, I don't know what that, what it is about time passing when you're running in place versus when you're moving and things are passing by you. I don't know how that works, that phenomenon. But um, as far as my tips for um, tolerating the treadmill, it's for me having an interval, a tempo, a speed workout that really helps pass the time. So usually I do a two, about a two mile warm up, just easy. And then get into my workout. And then, you know, the workout can be three to five miles of work. And then I have a couple mile cool down, cool down and then it's over. So, yeah, having those intervals and like this morning, my workout was 15 minutes at tempo, 10 minutes at tempo, five minutes at tempo. And there was a couple breaks in between there. But just um, having those set times to just focus on each interval, each set that helps, really helps me pass the time. Um, and during those hard portions, I'll listen to music and just kind of focus on, I mean, my goal, I think about my goals. I think about even visualizing crossing the finish line, um, just, you know, or think about my form. So that kind of gets me set kind of in the mode for the interval portion. And then easy warm up, cool down. Then I'm just watching something on my phone some TV show of what some sort. So um, I know other people will play with the incline to try to pass the time. Some people will cover the screen with a shirt or a towel. Um, yeah, just finding those little tricks to, to help pass the time because yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not nearly as fun in my opinion as, and I don't get the runner's high that I do after doing a workout or a run outside. Yeah. The fact that you're not a fan of it, makes me appreciate your efforts on the treadmill even more, right? There's some people who really enjoy the treadmill and it's like, all right, well, that that's your happy place. And I can't really make that connection because like, it's not mine. <laughs> right. So, so the, there's something lost in translation there. So here you'd be like, listen, this thing's a treadmill for me too, but you're still making it happen. So do you feel like once you come through this elongated winter and then all these times on the treadmill, do you feel like by the time the summer comes around that not only you've, you know, potentially built up a certain amount of fitness, it seems like you have the potential to build up a lot of mental strength through a lot of this winter training as well. Yeah. I mean, mental strength from running on the treadmill, from enduring the winter, from <laughs> the miles. Yeah. The, the, high weekly mileage. I mean, there's all that is definitely a mental aspect that, that you may not get gain uh, living elsewhere, I guess. Hey, everybody, do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's best value meal kit for planning dinners today. I love 
every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like. So you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good, but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in the stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's, it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that Getting my vitamins and minerals from from foods is probably the best way to do it. But I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So you mentioned the challenges with running where you are, yet you do it a lot and you put out, you know, a high volume um, week in and week out. And we're going to talk about your goals as well. So I guess I have to ask, why is running such a big part of your life? We've detailed the challenges to do it. You don't have to do it. So what about running has become, you know, has made it such a big part of your life? I am more of the competitive runner. So I feel like people generally fall into either the competitive runner or they do it for their sanity. So I'm definitely more air on the side of the competitiveness because I don't have to, I mean, there's 
for my sanity, I would not have to run 60 to 80 miles a week. I could, you know, probably do that on 30 miles a week and be just fine. So um, it just started with seeing some success early on, even in high school days, seeing some success, but then also loving it, loving the process, loving that runner's high at the end that kept me going. Um, and then into college running and then post-college. Um, then once I started racing again after college, because I did not have a good – racing in college was not successful by any means at all. And But then just kept up with it because I loved it and then started having success in ra- races here in, in Anchorage once I moved here and then just kind of started marathon training. And I think just naturally through the marathon training, I was able to build up a lot of fitness, get get faster, do better at, at the races, and just kind of kept at it. Um, and I then prior to having kids, um, I had – you know, had success. And I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, part of it was like, I want to prove to people that you don't have to, you can still be a fast runner even after having kids. So had that and just kept after that sub three hour marathon, which was planted in my mind before having kids. So that was still a goal I was trying to go after, after having kids as well. So would you mind telling us why running in college was something that just didn't go well for you? I dealt with anemia in college. Um, and that really put a hamper on my training. Uh, I had one, my junior year of cross country went pretty well for the first half. And then my iron must've gotten low and I just tanked. Like I had was doing really well. And then all of a sudden I just, every time I'd run, I'd get so out of breath and feel so winded and that just, yeah, it just put a big hindrance on my running in college. Um, that was a big part of it. And then, you know, a couple other injuries. So, yeah, very average, below average runner in college. So how did that experience either motivate you or negatively affect your relationship with running after the fact? Surprisingly, it motivated me. And... I don't even know if I could say why, but I just, that year and a half that I dealt with anemia, I was, I just loved running so much and I would, didn't want to not be able to run. So I was bound and determined to get to the bottom of it. I had as uh, allergy and asthma testing done. Um, I remember they looked at my, like did some heart tests and I, most of it came back normal. Um, I did use an inhaler for a while and take some allergy medication, but it didn't make a difference. And finally, for I don't even remember why, I started taking a, an iron supplement. And within a couple of weeks, I started feeling better. Oh, my gosh. Like, that must have been obviously a positive thing. But it must have been so frustrating that after all this time, it was such a simple solution. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure my parents weren't uh, too thrilled about paying all that money for all that, <laughs> for all that testing. <laughs> so let's talk about your goal. So you have a sub three hour marathon goal. You're very public about it, and you're. It seems like you are on a mission to get this, and you are obviously working incredibly hard. The marathon seems to be something that you have a lot of passion for. So talk to me about just your evolution from 
you know, starting the marathon, once you get back, you got back into running post-college, you're feeling better and you're really getting into it to all of a sudden it being like the primary focus of your running life. My first marathon was in 2010 and I ran grandma's marathon. Uh, it was an easy, like I chose to run it because my family back in Minnesota was, I was a teacher. So I'd go and spend three to four weeks back home in Minnesota and I chose to run the, the race and my family could be there. And I, I mean, I did definitely qualify for Boston was one of my goals at that time. Um, but I didn't, I didn't qualify in the, my first or second marathon. It took three times before I qualified. So since I didn't qualify on the first go at it, took another stab at it the next summer and then finally got it the following summer, qualified for Boston and then ran Boston and, but still felt like I could, could do better. And then trained, got my time down to about 317. And that's when my coach, my current coach, and this was now seven years ago, but seven years ago, she planted in the idea in my head that I could go sub three. And I was blown away that she even thought of like, thought that was possible for me. And uh, so what did you, let, let me jump in. So you, know, you, you, you were a college runner and you, know, you, so it's not as if you didn't have, you know, this sort of background that would lend itself to you know being a good runner after college as well. So when she mentioned that she thought you could get under sub three, what did you think at that point that your limits were? You mentioned that sub three was way beyond what you were thinking. What was your personal limitation? Yeah, I don't I don't even know if I had thought about it. I was just because my 317 I mean I really, yeah, I'd really qualified and run for Boston and uh, I had that was on a it was a very small marathon up here in Alaska. I had won the marathon. I mean there was like 40 people total in the marathon. It counts. <laughs> it counts, baby. <laughs> a win is a win is a win. Um so just to win a marathon even if it was small was pretty that was pretty exciting. So I don't know, maybe probably had written off the marathon at that point in time. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So she mentioned sub three and there's a certain amount of shock there for you. Did it require, I guess, what did it require from on your end in order to get to that goal? Was it simply a matter of continuing to do what you were doing with your coach? And we should mention what her name is as well. Um, or were there changes that need to be made in order for you to kind of reach that upper level uh, from where you were at the time? So up until that point, when she told me, when she gave me this idea, um, I had self-coached. So when Nicole, my coach, mentioned this, that's when she started work. That's when we started working together because she had, you know, she had saw what I was doing because we connected through our blogs, and so I would post about what I was doing in my training, but she saw like. Not, I was going to say flaws, but just areas I can improve and how I can make my training better. So she knew that she had probably had ideas of how, what how, what she would do in my training to make it better and help me get to that point. So it was just a matter of me turning over the reins to her to let her guide me in that training. All right. So what were some of the things that she changed, altered, or added on to what you were already doing at that point? Um. The doing just longer tempo, 
uh, I was just adding bulk and volume to my training. Um, although I had, I had done a hundred mile week prior to working with her and she actually, she's never had me go that high. Cause that was, that might be a little unnecessary, <laughs> but just adding more volume to the harder workouts and then working on my speed as well too. So, um, and I think structuring my training, whereas blocks, you know, a speed block, a volume block, and then like tempo block, things of that nature. I don't know. Actually, that's probably more a question for her. <laughs> I mean, some of it was still the same, but she's the mastermind. She she knows her stuff. And it seems like um, you 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 do definitely put in a lot of volume. You you have days where it seems like you you um you run more than once in a day. Uh, in addition to that. What are some things, if any, that you do to become a better runner that doesn't include running? So in terms of like maybe like pre-run, post-run stuff, you know, lifting weights or doing some sort of strength work. What other things are you doing besides running to help you improve? So I will I lift weights twice a week, usually for about 30 to 45 minutes at a time. And I'll hit all the major muscle groups. So upper body, lower body, core, um, and try to make them and lift heavy. So I'm, you know, squatting, walking lunges with weights, um, bicep curls, things of that nature. And then, um, foam rolling. I usually foam, my general routine is once I'm ready for bed, I get on the foam roller and check my phone for the last, last time for the day, you know, 10 minutes of foam rolling while I'm checking my phone and then go to, go to bed. Uh, I'm really trying to work on getting sleep, more sleep, eight to nine hours of sleep. Uh, I feel like getting enough sleep, you know, having good nutrition, um, foam rolling, some of those real simple, like simple things are some of the best things you can do for recovery and for helping your running. I know a lot of people have um, the compression boots, which... I've tried. I didn't notice any difference in the um, compression boots, but I think just sleeping and having good nutrition and, you know, eating enough in your diet and not stressing about finding that perfect diet, but just making sure you're getting good calories and just, and you know, the 80-20 rule, 80% healthy, 20% unhealthy. And I'll go and see the chiropractor about once a week and he'll work out anything that's tight, anything that's bothering me. Um, yeah, those are, I mean, it definitely turns into a part-time job trying to do all those things. <laughs> For sure. And to say nothing of the fact that you also have two youngsters bumping around. So you have a lot of things going on. So if you're running 60 to 80 miles a week, you're doing stuff outside of running as well. You got two youngsters running around what are some things that you feel like that you sacrifice in order to pursue your goals at the level at which you're pursuing them? I mean, it really time, you know, time with my husband, time with my kids to a certain extent. I mean, I try to do as much as I can when they're sleeping. So I try, you know, I get up early, usually around five thirty, six o'clock and try to knock out my work. I'll be, I have to be done by eight o'clock when my husband starts work. So, and that's always, always been. And so for as long as we've been married, as long as we've been together, I've always been a morning runner and I've always um, just gotten it done before work. What, what, you know, when I was working full time, 
outside the home. Um, and now when he just, now that he's working from home and I just still have to be done by eight o'clock and then, um, either lifting weights during nap time or after the kids go to bed. So some family time for sure. Um, and then, I mean, I don't watch TV unless it's on the treadmill. So I just, that's, that's the, for sure. The first thing to go is watching TV. I've never been a big TV watcher, but that's something I don't. Uh, oh, so that's not even much of a sacrifice. Like, eh, TV. Yeah. You're not into it anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes, I mean, a lot of times sleep gets sacrificed. So just, you know, going to bed late because I'm working after the kids go to bed and then having to get up early the next morning to run. So, but I try to, um, you know, if I have an easy run in the afternoon, I'll take my son out in the stroller so that he gets outside and he loves it. Um, both of my boys have loved the stroller, thankfully. So, you know, little things like that, um, just getting creative and trying to balance, I mean, balance it all and making sure everybody gets what they need. I, I stay at home with the boys and I always have. So that's, I feel like that kind of makes up for the time that I'm running in the morning or in the afternoon. All right. So you want that sub three hour marathon. You're working hard with that said, all of us who are either pursuing a goal or just want to get out there and race. It's been a while for so many of us. What does your calendar look like for 2021 to try to knock this goal out? Not really sure yet. Um, not sure if the races up here in Anchorage will happen this summer. We have the Shamrock Shuffle middle of March here. They are doing an in-person stagger start race. I don't I really have any desire to race on the snow, so I don't have plans of doing that. Uh, and then beyond that, um, I haven't really heard. And I'm, I think the race directors are just waiting to kind of see what the municipality in the city, what the guidelines are. As we move into our racing season, the first big race of the season usually is mid-April for us. Um, so, well, I I don't know. That one's a pretty big one. I don't know that that one will happen, but the, there's another smaller one at the end of um, May that maybe could happen. Um, if we are able to have the races up here, there's a marathon in, the, in August, the Run Fest Marathon that I'm leaning towards doing the marathon there, middle of August. And then I had signed up for CIM last December. So if they're able to have CIM this December, that was kind of my tentative plan is to do a marathon at middle of August and then another one at the beginning of December. So having the two, I don't really want to uh, just have one that I put all my eggs in one basket and then put so much pressure on myself that I falter. So having the two would be ideal. That's a great point. And I think it's a really good strategy as well for a lot of people. Um, because, again, just like we saw last year, there's such an opportunity for um, – opportunity is not the right word. But there is certainly a likelihood where things might not go according to plan from a scheduling perspective. And CIM had that great deal where uh, you signed up last year for the race. They gave you like a five-year window to redeem the uh, the registration. Yeah, yeah, which is one reason I signed up since they had such a good cancellation or, um, you know, a, being able to transfer your registration to a different year, which, so, yeah, that was one reason I signed up. So, yeah, that would be a fun race. I've never done it, um, I but I hear so many great things about it. And 
It's a good time of the year. I, it'd be a little, it's going to be a little challenging in November to train up here, but most of the, you know, most of the end of November is going to be taper. So it's not going to be as serious as much serious training. Yeah, that's a good point because you, you know, what you bring up is, is interesting because especially if you're willing and able to fly for a marathon, you know, making sure that it also works well with your training. It sounds like you've done that in the past with going back to Minnesota for grandmas and, and things of that nature. Um, if CIM doesn't look like it's going to work out, are there other f- spring marathons that you're kind of like on your radar that you're like, all right, maybe this would be a good chance. Or maybe this state seems like it's a little bit more, um, you know, willing to open things up or are you not going down that rabbit hole yet? Spring, like 2022. I Did I say spring? I am so sorry. No, fall. Fall 2021. Oh, okay. My bad. Fall. Okay. Um, honestly, I haven't spent too much time talking, thinking about it. You know, I mean, I think about Tw- Twin Cities or Chicago, uh, but they would be a little close to the mid-August marathon. I don't always, I don't feel like I recover that quickly, especially as I'm getting older now. Don't feel like I can do some of those back-to-back marathons like some people can. Yeah, you just had a birthday yesterday, right? Congratulations. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> so, I saw that post today. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to interview on her birthday. She's way too generous. Like, oh, no, no, this was dated yesterday. We're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did do that post late at night. And I know a lot of people on the East Coast won't see it till the next day. But, (laughs) yeah, it was yesterday. So, yeah, I'm getting too close to 40. (laughs) Hey, I turned 40 in January, man. I'm living that life with you. No no doubt about it. I just remember my parents turning 40 and I'm like, oh, golly, it's like over the hill. (laughs) (laughs) I will say after I turned 40, I then got injured. Uh, I know that was just random it's not connected at all to age necessarily. Um, But hey, that's, that's what happens sometimes. All right. So we talked about in college, you know, you had, um, you know, you, you with anemia, you weren't able to have the the running career that you had wanted. Post college, is there a certain race or time in your training that you feel like was the biggest hurdle for you, or something, an era or a time that you learned the most from? Not because it went well, but because it went the other way, and you were able to learn certain certain things from that experience. I mean, I feel like anytime you have an injury, those are always times that you realize what, how much you love running, what it means to you, why you work so hard every day. So my, I had a hip labral tear four years ago now. Um, and that was about a nine, 10 month injury. Um, that, that was really hard. It was also during the winter, which did not help trying to survive the winter here. So that was, uh, right after I was like peak fitness, right after I had run grandma's marathon again, trying, I should have been able to break three hours at that marathon, but the heat and humidity was just, it was too much. It was like 75 degrees and 75% humidity. And they had changed the color of the flags to black. So if if you're familiar with the the rating system on the flags, you know, green is good, optimal weather and black is like severe weather, you know, you may need to stop running. Um, so that was, it, it was, it really took a toll on me and, um, probably halfway through I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was just having a hard time breathing and, uh, 
just too humid. And I had spent some time in Minnesota prior to that race trying to acclimate myself. But <laughs> here in Alaska, we have virtually no humidity. If it if it gets humid here, people complain about it. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what real humidity is like. <laughs> so our summers are ideal for training and running, but the winters are really tough. A nine or 10 month injury. That is a long time. I've had a nine or 10 month injury before and it can really be draining. So especially coming from peak fitness and then you're going through that experience when you were thinking about, and this can often be like the root of anxiety for people, like looking forward, like, will I ever get to X, Y, Z? Did you go through periods where you were really struggling with that? Or were you able to stay in the moment with your PT work? Oh, no. I mean, it was like, I don't know when this is going to end. And that's the thing. It's like when you have an injury, you never know when you're going to get better. It's like one thing when you're pregnant, you know, when the pregnancy is going to end and you kind of have a deadline when you can start running again, but with an injury, you just never know. And so that that's the hardest thing about an injury. You just and I'm a planner, so I want to like I want to know how long I have to endure this. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's really it's hard. And well, I thought I was going to have surgery, and then after learning about um, having surgery on a torn labrum of your hip, it's a long, long recovery, and you know, at least you know six months of recovery, and first year on crutches, and I just I, I did not want to go through that. Fortunately, I did not. Ha- I didn't need surgery. I was able to heal it on my on with PT work and ART. And but yeah, it was it's it was draining. Yeah, that's tough. And and good thing it worked out too, right? That's the hard part with that with that situation of like, all right, surgery or no surgery. Obviously, everyone would prefer the no surgery option. But by choosing that option, sometimes you're elongating the process. If like you go through it. And then you need surgery anyway. Yeah. Like by not going the surgery route, was that like an added complication from an anxiety perspective of like, oh my God, I now it's now been six months. I'm still not running and I still am not guaranteed that this is gonna work. Um, when I found out I just I was trying to avoid surgery at all costs. And when I found out I cause I got a steroid shot. And that helped for a few months. And so I started seeing some progress. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm doing okay. And then um, kind of when I decided I didn't need surgery, I was also I was fe- starting to feel better and the snow and ice were melting. And so I think just get finally getting on dry pavement and, you know, after months of good PT work, I had gotten strong enough and it was starting to heal on its own. So, yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, I know you. it's like one of those, that's an injury that you see in a lot of sports, the labrum tear, and it always just drags on, right? Like I know, um, I don't know that personally, obviously, but I know of, um, you know, say like third baseman and baseball players who've had labrum tears. And it's like, it's a, it's a season killer. Like it's automatic. Boom, you're done. We'll see you in 12 months. Yeah. Type situation. And, you know, you, you, you run, you see that and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, it's, uh, it can be so devastating for folks to, do you need to do anything now to make sure that that sort of injury doesn't happen again? Or was it kind of a fluke thing? It seemed more of a fluke thing. 
Um, I know my glute on that side is has always been weaker, and so I always do try to keep up with glute exercises and uh, the work on those stabilizer muscles. So it's not something I – I mean, I still think about it often to make sure I'm trying to not let it – flare up again. Right. No, for sure. All right. So as a runner, are there certain runners that you look up to um, either in person or just from afar or people that you gain strength from or motivation or inspiration? I don't know if anyone in particular, but I just have always been anybody who runs. I've just, I'm so, I feel like I'm the cheerleader for anybody who runs. So whether it's following somebody on Instagram, whether it's the um, people I coach in person here in Anchorage, I work, I coach through our training group at the run, local running store here. So seeing those women, Latin women and men out at races, um, I just, I've, no matter what level they're at, I just, I'm encouraged by them and I see how hard they've had to work. So that encourages me. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like any, the, all runners inspire me to do what I do and just keep going for my goals. Well, I am excited to keep following you. If people want more information about you or to follow along, because you, you are an active share on Instagram in terms of, you know, showing people how your running is going in a very detailed and fun way. Frankly, I enjoy following along. Um, <laughs> so if someone wants to learn more about you and all the things that you're doing, where are some places or where are some places that they should go? Yeah, I first started blogging at the Runner's Plate 10 over t- 10 years ago. And so that's first what started. I just started a blog at the Runner's Plate. I was going to be running my first marathon. I wanted to document my training, but also stay in contact with my family and friends in Minnesota. So I would blog there. And then, you know, a few years ago, got on Instagram and have just posted on there regularly and having the Instagram stories, I feel like really makes it like you can really get connected to people's lives being on Instagram stories. So I try to, you know, share about my training on Instagram stories after a run, I'll talk about how it went or, you know, anything that I thought of during the run that I, a tip or trick I might share with my followers. So I try to share things that way. Um, So primarily my blog and, and Instagram is where I uh, share most of my running journey. There you go. And what's the handle on Instagram? The runner's plate. The runner's plate. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a blast to interact with you. And this time to get a chance to speak with you. It really is a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big shout outs, of course, to our sponsors, Inside Tracker, Paper Trails Greening Company, and OS First. I actually rocked my OS First knee sleeve today. I'm getting back into running. I uh, had a, a little, basically, hopefully, my last run walk coming back from injury. Uh, five minutes on, one minute off. Rocked the knee sleeve. Felt good. Um, I don't want to wear the knee sleeve for the rest of my life, but it works good now for what I have to do, and I'm certainly appreciative of it. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. 
Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.